everyone. Welcome to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. I am back from Cabo. Um, I had a great time, but I'm uh, I'm excited. Like I, some people are like, oh man, I gotta go back on Monday. I'm like, I actually really look forward to my Monday. <laughs> like, uh, I think it's really fun. So we got back on Friday, so a couple days to rest, and then uh, yeah, here 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 we are, and got to watch a really fun open in the meantime. But I did listen to your guys' episode. I did listen okay, to it let's, in Cabo. Let's let's get let's get technical here. You listened to it on the way to the airport, right? Doesn't count. Yeah. I think I think the spirit of listening to it is like I'm on the beach. I have nothing to do, so I'm gonna pop in the podcast. Pop in like this is like VCR back in the day or something. But I, I'm gonna turn on the podcast and listen to it. No, 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 no. This was I'm depressed that I'm leaving Cabo, <laughs> so I'm in way to the airport then i'll listen to these schmucks and see what they have to say <laughs> to be clear to be clear i have my favorite podcast is i'm, I'm a total uh fan of the bachelor franchise and there's these bachelor podcasts that i really like i could have chosen to listen to those okay so did choose this so over this that is the first this was the first this podcast was the you first to? this is the first that i put on that makes it a little bit right. better that makes okay. it a little bit better, but <laughs> we, were, we were still jealous that you were in Cabo and we were not. So I, I we were not in Cabo. Facts. <laughs> That's all allowed. Hey, uh, we just missed the hurricane. We were like one of the, I think only like three flights went out after us and then they closed the airport oh. down for the hurricane. Oh, yeah. that is Wow. Bad. Yeah, it's that would have been leave, bad. It's easy to leave Cabo when a hurricane's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah you wouldn't you didn't want to stay longer actually <laughs> like we can get out of here that's totally fine <laughs> um and had some great cornhole to watch in the meantime we had that second uh open and uh i got to watch quite a bit of that um not sure how much you guys got to watch but definitely i i, I don't think necessarily surprises for me in terms of the winners but um definitely some impressive performances for sure so this was in des moines iowa um, in our open singles, we had Ryan Trader take the win there. And in second place, Ryan Windsor for open doubles, Fisher Hamilton and Gavin Cano. And in second place, Landon Crabtree and Justin Lang. A little bit of a surprise there. And then women's singles, Deb Odom. Senior singles, Steve Schrader. Junior singles, Ryan Trader. All around a really great weekend. Kind of a different open. Obviously much smaller than the one we had in open number one. Um, Anthony, you mentioned all the people who weren't in the field. Um, but even with the people that were there for for Crabtree and Lang to get that second pl place, I think says a lot about um, their performance. Um, overall, had a lot of fun watching. But Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll just start. Yeah, with there on the double side, you mentioned Crabtree and Lang. Look, Justin Lang is a is a former pro, one that competed at a high level, had multiple seasons. A season, I believe, he finished top twenty five. So someone that has a lot of consistency. It's not the prettiest bag, but he's just one of those guys that finds the way to get bags in the hole. So seeing him near the top wasn't a big surprise for, for me. I was really impressed by Landon Crabtree, um, right? It, to an extent, we've in the past viewed Crabtree kind of as this novelty just because he's the guy that spins the bag the wrong way, right? He's the guy, you know, the, the little wrist action that actually gets it to to, to cut more of like a, a slider or curveball rather than a normal, you know, inside out revolution on a cornhole bag. So I think in the past we viewed him as a really good college player. We've reviewed him as kind of a novelty as someone that's, that's fun to watch, but not necessarily someone that we thought could get all the way to the end 
especially at an open. So I think it was really impressive. And and for me, Crabtree increased his stock, if, as, if you will, as, as a rookie player coming in by watching him uh, this this past weekend. Uh, Justin Burton Jr. And, and Logan Chamberlain, it's like, well, if you don't run into Fisher Hamilton and Gavin Cano, you know, we could be saying, we could be talking about them winning back-to-back opens, yep. I think. Um, you know, they were, they were just as good regardless of where they finished. I mean, they, they were right there, uh, with the potential to win the entire thing. Um, but you know, all, all hands on deck, all eyes on, on Fisher Hamilton and, and Gavin Cano. This is a team of young players that first got together and I just kind of want to set the stage and I wanted to have a, a second just to think about it, but you know, I kind of forgot how this team formed and I don't know if they knew each other ahead of time. So again, I'm purely going off of what I saw from someone that was a fan of the game um, and someone that, that, that wanted to get more, more into it and watching it more. And I want to step back for a second and go back to 2022 in the late spring, early summer, the last open of the year took place in July and going into the last open of the year, Fisher Hamilton was short of being the last qualified junior player for the following season. He was under the age of 18, okay? And he was looking to qualify to become a pro. And the only way that month that he could improve his finish in open standings had nothing to do with what he could do in singles couldn't do anything at a regional, didn't have a conference event to go to. All of his local points were maxed out. The only thing that he could do in order to become a pro player that following season as a U18 player was to win the Open. So if you're the guy that has to win the Open, okay, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I'm calling every top pro that I can and I'm offering them 75% of the money if we win it. I'm, you know, hey, hey, Mark Richards, you got somebody to play with? Can I, can I, can we play together this weekend? He doesn't do that. He picks Gavin Cano, a player that had just had a breakout performance in Arizona at the Open a month or two before, had also shown some signs of being a really talented younger player. And they pair up and we go, I remember saying it. You're an idiot. Why wouldn't you pick somebody that would be better? Okay, why wouldn't you go? I do remember that. Yes, yeah. I do remember I that. I said, why would you not go out and give yourself the best possible opportunity in order to win the Open? And in his mind, he must have said, because he didn't say it out loud, because he doesn't say anything, is I'm going to stick with my guy. And, and again, I don't know if they had become friends. I don't know if it was a BG bag selection thing. I don't know what ultimately brought them together. But ultimately, this team, based on that decision, saw success. They won their bracket. Fisher sweeps the event. He becomes a pro. They stay together as a pro team. They become a top five team. And now at this point, after this second open, we're talking about Fisher Hamilton having, in just over a year, eight total ACL titles of all time. Uh, Gavin won behind him at seven. A team that has prided themselves on having a lot of success in doubles as a unit. They've won game after game, tournament after tournament. And at the, at the big tournaments, 
They're right there at the end. I think it's incredible to think back of how this real powerhouse team formed. And then to an extent, it was it was a game of chance and a game of just trusting each other. Ultimately, that's why they're some of your 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 best players in the world right now. So, you know, my doubles thoughts are all centered around Hamilton and Kano and how this unlikely duo now kind of one of the best in the world. Yeah, I was uh, uh, messaging Kano as you were speaking because I'm like, yeah, how did that history work out? And it makes sense. So they both won their singles brackets two years ago at the Vegas Open. So this is before they teamed up. Um, so they both win their brackets. They're like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And then they both needed points to solidify their pro standing. So they ultimately got together and said, hey, let's do this together. Let's team up. They had to get third or better in their bracket, and they ended up winning it. So that's how that history played out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy, crazy story. That's literally just how they how they ended up together. Wild. And now, <laughs> yeah, I mean, now you mentioned at the beginning, you talked about uh, this matchup against or the, the potential back-to-back against um, you know, Chamberlain and Burton Jr. What, what do you think? I feel like these guys are constantly playing each other. Right. Are we talking a rivalry here? Like, I mean, yeah, they are constantly going head to head to take a bracket, to take a championship. Uh, probably one of the doubles teams that we see matching up the most. What do you think about those two as a rivalry now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough. I always struggle with calling things a rivalry when I know that they're somewhat close, right? You know, they're friendly. You know, they have a good positive relationship. To me, like, I, I don't know if I can call, you know, uh, uh, Hamilton, Cano, Burton Jr. and Chamberlain a rivalry when I, but when I see Matt guy, Brett guy, Justin Burton Jr., Logan Chamberlain, to <laughs> me, that's a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Those two going head to head, that feels like a rivalry to me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think to your point, I, I get what you're trying to say with the point is that. They always feel like they got to go against each other. And I even started the bracket. I think they played in the second game. Like, and you got to be thinking to themselves, man, can we stop playing these guys? Right. Can you play us against anybody else? Right. Because I, I, I don't know this for a fact. And I know somebody else has got the numbers and they're going to correct me. But to me, it feels like they're pretty 50 50 on some of the big stages of winning against one another. And they're very evenly matched. Yeah, I would think so. Anthony, what are your thoughts on the open? Yeah, just a couple thoughts. Um, you know, we're seeing all these injuries, right? We got we got Hunter Thorne out there with a busted up ankle. Um, I mean, look at the look at Jackson Gore making it through, winning a bracket with with something on his wrist. I thought Hunter Thorne did really well sitting in a boot. I mean, he in both doubles and singles. Now, probably better that the boot is in the back foot. You know, I think on the release and a lot of the transition of the weight, your front needs to be really strong. Um, you know, we even see some players kick the the back foot back. So you don't really need that for a lot of weight bearing. Um, but still you got this concrete block on the bottom of your foot and, and Hunter Thorne was out there still competing. Um, so that was interesting, you know, even through injuries, you know, um, these guys are able to compete at the highest level. Uh, Gary Bearpaw, we probably should take a moment just to talk a little bit about that guy. Um, you know, we've heard uh, K nine Wally Castler talk about him in the past as a guy we should look out for. Uh, and we have, he just didn't, really break through in brackets the way that we thought he would in the past. But this time I think he did, you know, he took down a young um, 30 ranked player in Ian Cripps. He took down Matt guy, and they're going to be playing very similar games at old man's game slides and airmails. He beat Matt at his own game. I mean, that is pretty, pretty impressive stuff. 
And then he went through Gavin Connell to take the king seat. So we're talking about a 50-year-old plus bagger out of Oklahoma. Absolutely ridiculous airmail. And like I was saying, doing it his way, different from all of the other bracket winners because we, we're seeing this trend. You know, we we said we called it a, a couple years ago or the beginning of last season. Is this the year of the carpet bag? I think what we were trying to say is this now, are we now going to see this new dirty style role game take over? And that's what we're doing. And um, just check this match out against Matt Guy. This guy threw a 10 point um, or he threw, through the whole tournament. He threw a 10.38 over 141 rounds, but it was the match against Matt guy that I found absolutely insane. It was a 31 round battle against Matt guy. So we're talking about running bags, open holes, open boards out of 31 rounds, 21 rounds. He threw a four bagger. This is Gary. Uh, this is Gary, uh, Gary Bearpaw. Matt Guy shot an 11.0 and loses to Gary Bearpaw's 11.23. Absolutely unbelievable. But I think that was the breakout we've been t- uh, that Wally has been talking about and why we should be looking at a, uh, a Gary Bearpaw. Um, and singles, you talked about the bracket winners, Ryan Trader, Ryan Windsor. Uh, we had Tony Forbes out there as well as Kyle Hutley, uh, a previous pro making an appearance. Back to back, we got to note this. <laughs> Back-to-back bracket wins for the Ryans. Ryan Smith and Ryan Trader also won brackets back at open number one. So if we're kind of looking at the season out of the gate, you win back-to-back brackets at opens, that's very significant. Um, You know, as a a guy who was always pulling for Ryan Windsor, he was always on my top 10. He kind of faded a little bit, and I held him into that top 10 longer than I probably should have. This is why. You know, Ryan Windsor is, is a gamer. He is a veteran, and I don't think at any moment uh, he couldn't win. I mean, at any moment, he can win a tournament. Um, and I think that he's shown he's still at the top of the game. Uh, Ryan Windsor had a tough run. He went through Ryan Smith, Fisher Hamilton, and then he had to get through Burton Jr. twice to take down his bracket. All three of those players, open champs, national champs. And this is interesting. Ryan Windsor wins his bracket with the 16th ranked PPR in the bracket. <laughs> So you got the bracket where you got to scroll down to find Ryan Windsor in the PPR rank. So further showing that this game is more uh, than just running bags and and putting him in the hole. Um, Let's see, Kyle Hutley, he had the easiest bracket. Um, But I won't take away the fact that he double-dipped Jordan Power in the final. By far the easiest bracket. If you looked at who he went through, uh, there really wasn't much until he ran into Jordan Power, but he double-dipped him. Um, so th- I got to give him the credit there. And then this Tony Forbes kid, not even a, uh, you know, one of the 250 pros. Uh, I believe he's an elite out of the PDC, a young kid. Um, his run, he took, he takes Creek killer 21 to 20. Um, and he was up, he was up 20 to 10 and then loses that one 21 to 20. And then he goes on a run. So this is Tony Forbes out of the elite. Uh, he goes through Brady Foster, one of the rookies that we're keeping an eye out, a new partnership with Jimmy Humans this year. Ian Cripps, an open winner, Carson Getty, a national champ, uh, Matthew Creek Killer, a national doubles champ, Gavin Cano, and then double dips, Bearpaw, bringing that 11-plus style game. So my question to you, Trey, is, and I was kind of thinking about this, is he he wouldn't have been a part of the original draft, right? So does that make him... It, does it work that the PDC comes out of a regionally based team? Correct. So you can, if, as an elite player, and that's what I'm actually checking right now to see if he's even an elite player. Um, yeah, because well, my question the, was going to be: Is yes, is he, is. Com- he is an elite is, player. Yes. He is an elite player. 
So it's one of the kids that the Cali Slingers have to decide on, right? Because we have Tony Forbes, we have Spencer Fabianar, we have Adrian Brunson. These are three guys in this area that I don't know how you choose. Draft them right now. I know, but they're under Pull 18. Him up. <laughs> Kenny? Yeah, they could can only, only have, have one. one under 18 elite player. So they can oh. only have one. How do you yeah, choose? I think he's 16. I think he's six, 16, 17. I mean, if they can't all go to the same events, right? You can pick up one for one, one for another, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, he, so he is an eight, if he's under 18, he's an elite player, then he is, yes, eligible for uh, to be picked up by his home team. So if he's from California, then uh, yeah, the Cali Slingers, that's, that's only Cali Slingers can take him. Yeah, his stock just went up substantially. Uh, and you, you you threw that list out there, Mish. Uh, I mean, the way that this kid just performed was very, very impressive and who he went through. So uh, he might he might be one of the underages they need to consider bringing in. Uh, I don't if, know. You, if, you, if you think for a second Misha is going to pick against yeah. Adrian Brunson, you are delusional. <laughs> delusional. <laughs> he pro- I mean, Adrian proved himself, right, in the finals last year. I mean, I, he I did. think – he and and they would have loved to have finals. kept him, you know, but I, yeah, I don't know. I like, this is a conversation because all those guys are from up near me. They're all NorCal guys. And, and this is the conversation we have. Like, I don't know how you choose because they're all under 18. That's no tough. A couple on Ryan Trader. Uh, obviously he ends up winning the whole thing. Right. And uh, how about Trey's hot take, by the way, uh, he called that one against an insane field. We went through the field, the Creek killers, the Conos, the Fishers, Matt guy was in the field and it's Ryan Trader that comes out. It wins this, so a heck of a call on the uh, on the hot take. But to me, it was, man, how comfortable is this kid throwing the slick side of the bag? His push is absolutely nasty. Um, he's got the role to go with it. I think his decision-making is way above his years. Uh, he really does take his time, looks at the board, makes a decision where we see a lot of these younger players ready to throw the bag before the bag even stops on the board. So I got to give him some props uh, on that. Um, yeah, he ends up winning. What are your thoughts on two? I these pucks, uh, you know, it, it is amazing that the pros can sense just a little bit more bounce with a different setup. And we're learning, like, are we on concrete? Are we on wood? Is there pucks in the mix? You know, is there carpet? Is there not carpet? You know, and, and these pros are actually able to sense when they're getting more hop out of this. And it does affect pushes for these players that throw super flat bags. What are your thoughts on uh, on the pucks and how that impacts the game? It, to be honest, I haven't done a, a, a deep dive into how how it actually affects them. Now, I, you kind of have to go anecdotally, right, at this point to say, because I don't even know how you'd measure that, right? It's almost like a feel, right? Because um, players playing in different conditions. I mean, um, in my mind, honestly, like I, you know, I kind of like when pros have to adjust. I've always been an adjustment guy. I've talked about in the past about how, you know, I'd love to see a day when there's different conditions. You walk into a national and it's a slow speed national. You walk into a, a national, it's a fast speed national, right? And I love seeing that different level of adjustments because that's what every other sport does. Even in football, the, the playing surfaces are a little bit different as you go to different places. In golf, obviously, green speed plays a huge difference in how it goes. So, like, I'm, I almost like, like to see variation and like to see how pros have to, have to handle all that. Yeah, I agree. One other factor there, Misha, I'm not sure if you call, caught it, but um, you, the enforcement of the stepover rule. I mean, we saw some of these players getting on the broadcast and and couldn't help but looking over to Josh like every other throw, like, are we yeah. good? Are we good? And it <laughs> was messing with – yeah, I think it was definitely <laughs> affecting 
some of the players, you know, uh, guys like Shibner and Hamilton that have that kind of, you know, transfer that momentum that can go over the line. Uh, obviously, it didn't affect uh, Hamilton was able to make the adjustment. Shibner had a really good run, but you could tell that it was in their mind. They kept looking over to make sure that they were still compliant. Um, so something to think good. about. Moving forward. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's really it's really simple like you know they're all gonna throw their best in automation and i say it till i'm blue in the face so like when you see pro, pro, pros in the zone they're in an automated state with their throwing so when you add in like i have to make sure i don't do xyz they it takes them out of automation um so you're gonna see different play style um what the key for me if i'm them is drilling this new rule so that I can be in automation and not worry about it. Like right. that's the solution to me. Like you've got to be at home, just drilling your pushes without the step over or starting farther back. But like, you've got to make it so automated that you don't have to even think about Keck standing there. You don't have to think about your foot coming up or whatever you need to do. But if you have to actually think about it, you're already screwed. Like it's Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a, look, um, you know, I've said this publicly that we're, we're rolling, we're, we're putting together an officiating program that's going to come out and uh, officiating is going to become more and more part of the game. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what your viewpoint is on, on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the step over rule was, was, was modified to address certain concerns and, and I'm confident in the way it, the rule is written. And now it's about following the way it's written. Right. So if there have been people in the past to, and I don't think anybody's ever quote abused the rule. Right. Um, I want to, I want to be clear on that. Like, I don't think anybody's out there like nobody's looking like, let's try it this way. It's been more of like, I haven't had a need um, with this new rule. Like, okay. People made a note of it, but they weren't like, like Michelle said, actively at home working on it. They're like, Oh, okay. I don't usually do that. So I don't need to think about it in that regard. But as it gets enforced, that's something that more and more people are going to have to say, oh, wait, do I? Oh, I do. Like, and, and it, it's just something that they're going to have to correct. So um, I think uh, addicted to cornhole, man, they're going to get they're they're, they're going to get they're going to get some 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 positive vibes yeah. from the officiating crew that crews that will will start becoming part of events. But are overall, you kidding I think me? it's a good path you forward. Watched- you watch other sports. Nobody's happy with officials. They always think they that's make true. their own calls. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's I, that. You know what? You're right, Michelle. I'm gonna go and we're gonna fix this whole thing, and then like someone's gonna get called on it, and then the the the, the it's absolutely. gonna be like, what a terrible call! This guy blew the game. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're right. You're right. Nobody. Likes but I, honestly, uh, honestly though, it's fine. It's an evolution of the sport. We're, we're going in a positive direction, and I think everybody's. We'll, we'll be glad to go that way. Hey, Mish, just a couple closing remarks on Hamilton because he's doing some some really good stuff here. Uh, you mentioned his titles at the at the opener there, Trey. I just wanted to point out his open titles. If we look at all-time open titles, this is Fisher Hamilton's sixth open title, which is significant because it breaks the four-way tie with Matt Guy, Alex Rawls, and Alex Hicks. Fisher Hamilton is now third all-time in open wins behind only Trey Birchfield and Mark Richards. So that puts him third in line. And just to mention, and that's in that finals match, Fish was throwing gas. Check this out. He scored 19, 19 of the 21 points to win that match. He only gave up 
four. He was absolutely dominating his side of the board. And the same thing I was talking about earlier, and I've been hammering it for like six or seven months now. You have to be comfortable with the slick side of your bag if you are a dirty player. Hey, that's great. You did all this great work to mess it up. Now you got to clean it up or make something happen. We saw Fisher Hamilton electing, and I love it because I've been talking about doing this for a long time, but it's really hard for players who throw a 4-5 speed and then flip it over and get a 9 to be able to make those uh, adjustments in the game live, throwing a fourth bag open board slick side. So basically he's saying, I am comfortable controlling my speed. I do not want to leave a birdie putt short. Why would I come up a fourth bag short? And I'm maximizing my whole friendliness. So watch Fisher Hamilton, one of the few carpet baggers, throwing a fourth bag slick side open board. It, it's I think it's next level. My last comment, Ryan Trader, King of the Midwest. King Put of the Midwest. The crown. Oh, <laughs> you're kind of getting ahead of yourself, though, Trey. Yeah, but that's what I said last week. I, I, okay, fine. When you get to buy or sell, you already know what I'm going to say. So, yeah, uh, yeah. We're good. <laughs> a little, a little teaser. <laughs> Let's go into some news around the league. Uh, ACL Pros announced the new pro committee president, Josh Thielen. So, congrats to Josh. Great man for the job, no doubt. The National College and High School Cornhole Championships will be back in Myrtle Beach December 28th through the 31st. And ACL announces hiring its first female executive chief business offer, officer, Alicia Mullen. It's Mullen, not Mullins. I don't know why I thought that was plural. No, Mullen. Yep. Mullen. Okay, got it. Well, welcome to the team, Alicia. I did get to meet her briefly at the draft. Seems like an awesome addition to the team. She loves systems. I love systems. We're already a match made in heaven. Yeah, I already told you you guys are a match made in heaven. So <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna maybe wish you didn't know they didn't have that in common because you're gonna be on your phone. Michelle, fix this. <laughs> hey, as long as uh, we're no, but all good. people are following yeah. them, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, a real quick thought. I know we're we're a little heavy, but um, you know, I, I just want to say Josh Thielen being the pro committee president, pro committee was established to kind of um, give the players a voice and this coming season, having kind of a leader in that regard, uh, we think is really crucial to continue to grow that relationship between the ACL and the pro players. So uh, really excited to see what Josh uh, is going to bring. He served on the committee last year and now has um, so, some good things moving forward. National College and High School Championship. I'm going to be taking a very active role in those this, this year. So uh, more information will be released this week and how people can get involved and everything there. And then, yeah, Alicia coming on the team is going to be great for us. She's really going to help us establish, like Michelle, those systems to make us um, better and better. So she's she's also taken on a, a good chunk of my team with 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 marketing and, and social media and everything. So um, you know, it's 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 a good it's a good opportunity. We'll continue to get better, but um, you know, no more no more micromanagement for me on on the content team at events. Yeah. I don't think you ever did that, but <laughs> you are the opposite of a micromanager. Trey. I don't think that that's was that and honestly, it's probably yeah, like literal opposite in um sometimes a bad way. Like, like oh yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll be good. They got it. Yeah, I they got it, it. I think it works out fine. It means you trust your it's team. Called trust. It's yeah, it's called trust. <laughs> yeah, too much trust sometimes. Too much. <laughs> I will. We won't get into that, but we will get into the uh, next round of roster grades from the pro team draft. Um, as you said, you guys are kind of looking at the team as a whole, not so much how they performed at the draft, but overall how you feel like that team is coming together. We're going to focus on the American North this time. 
Uh, we'll go by one by one and Trey will give us our grades and then uh, or his grades and then we'll chat about it. The first one being the New England Woodchucks. Trey, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. So real quick, let's run through the Watt roster. We Keepers, Jimmy Humans, Jacob Trzinski, Storm Hogue, Zach Scheidner, and Michael Lucas Jr. Uh, then they also trade to acquire Alec Ryan and Tyler Cobb. Drafting, they go Jeremiah Ellis, Caleb Franklin, Hunter Thorson, Mike McClanahan, Brandon Selmeyer, Nick Moore, Connor Weiss, and Bernie Portalesi. Uh, for me, they trade away Kyle Malone. Um, I hated the trade, to be honest with you. Uh, reason I hate the trade is simply because if you, whatever the reasoning was, let's say, and Kyle has been public about this, that he, he still values teams in a very high regard, but let's say the reason that they traded him away was because he wasn't as successful in the team's format. Well, Michelle, if I'm someone that wants to give away a player that's not good in the team's format, then what would I trade for? Someone that's probably good at the team's format. Someone so that didn't I trade go 0 and 7 with Tony. I'm Smith. not going to trade for someone who starts the year 0 and 7 in doubles play with Tony bleeping Smith. <laughs> okay, so I think it was a terrible trade. I did not like it whatsoever. I did like the Tyler Cobb trade. They moved up in the order. They got value in Tyler Cobb. Natural team chemistry on the Woodchucks. I really like that trade. In addition to that, love Jeremiah Ellis out of the gate. I thought it was really, really good pick there. They got a really strong contributor right out of the gate. And I got think they got some good late value. I think the Canadians similar to sometimes the women's and the women in the pro division are naturally undervalued for whatever bias reason that people can think of. So we in Portalesi, people forget. Aviators Connor Weiss with doubles partner with Ryan Tucker, Ryan Tucker was the first pick made by the aviators after all of their trades. Connor Weiss was the second to last round, round nine. So when you talk about somewhat equivalency there, I think they stole some really late, great late value. Overall, giving the Woodchucks a B minus, I would have had them B plus if they don't trade away Kyle Malone. That's how much I hated the trade. <laughs> Anthony, what are your thoughts on that grade? Yeah, just the thoughts to, to the team. I mean, uh, the Jimmy Humans factor is real. I mean, this guy sees... Um, a couple moves ahead. Um, I think that he sees deeper into what a player could bring uh, to a team. So I think there's that factor. He's, he's a brilliant guy. I agree. Picking up some of those late picks. Those are good, good ones by Jimmy humans. Um, you know, picking up a potential rookie of the year. We got Jeremiah Ellis out there who could actually come out and be the best rookie in the league this year. So yeah, it's tough. But yeah, when you do look at numbers, I mean, if you look at just the pros that they were keeping, you know, their bottom of the bottom of the barrel in how those players ranked last season. If you look at uh, the four rookies they picked up, they were kind of beyond the halfway mark on how they performed in the showcase. However, Jeremiah Ellis didn't perform very well, and we know that he's going to be a much better player than he performed in the showcase. Doesn't tell us everything, but it just showed us how they were able to perform in the showcase. Gives us a little sense. So um, I feel, I feel, I feel like Trey's right in the ballpark on that one. All right. Michigan Marauders, Trey. All right. Michigan Marauders. They keep Joe Neistat, Jordan Power, Mike Ferreira, Jeremy Shermerhorn, uh, Chucky Love, and Trevor Kufis. Now, 
I will say, and I'll get to this in a minute, uh, in a little bit more in depth, they did try to keep Jay Rubin, and they were, for obvious reasons, not able to do that because of his step away from the game. Then they go and draft Austin Cameron, Jamie Fincham, Mike Jackwis, Sarah Cassidy, Justin Carpenter, Gina Ramirez, Rob Bajanov, Maya Cup, Daniel Walker Jr., and Megan Moppet. Overall, uh, I think they got a ba- bad break with Rubin. Um, yes. I think Ruben is a key part of that team that would have elevated them to a high level. We talked all year long last season about how Justin Burton Jr. and Devin Harbaugh on the ringers, when they paired up, they were unbeatable. Well, we forget that early in the season, it was Chris Day and Jay Ruben that straight up beat them. Jay Ruben was a founding critical part of that. And that's why I think they're going to suffer a little bit in there. Um, their th- I love their first three picks. I think Austin Cameron is a, an immediate contributor, right? I think he has some down tournaments uh, that, that he needs to clean up a little bit, but this is a guy that could easily be a top three pick when he's at his upside. So this is a really talented young kid that's going to come in. Jamie Fincham, we know how much Anthony loves Jamie Fincham and how good that he has been at certain events. He performed not great at the showcase at my station, and I think that's why it dropped his his um, his pick down a little bit. But for me, we're talking about a potential first-round talent getting in the second round. And then in the third round, I had Matt Mike Jackwis going in the first round. They get him in the third. So I think they absolutely killed it on their three picks there. Decent picks, uh, pretty much in line, chalk the rest of the way. Overall, I still gave this team a B minus. I think their keepers were a little bit lower than some of the other teams. Again, if they're able to have Jay Rubin, I feel like I'm speaking the same thing that I said about the Woodchucks. I think if they're able to get Jay Rubin, we're all the way up to a B plus here, but I'll keep the Marauders at a B minus. Anthony? Yeah, I think Trail nailed that that one. Jay Rubin, good point. Biggest biggest hit there. Uh, Jack was that late was good. Also picking up Justin Carpenter that late. I was surprised to see him go late. We're talking about a top 50 guy, you know, who's getting picked. What is that? One, two, three, four, maybe five rounds deep into the draft. So another late good pickup for the, for the Marauders there, but everything else. uh, Yeah. Sounds good. Trey. Ohio aviators. All right. So the Ohio aviators, they keep Noah Almanza, Trey Birchfield, Fisher Hamilton, and Matt Abernathy and Carson Getty. Uh, They trade to acquire Gavin Cano, which I'll get to in a second. Then they pick Ryan Tucker, Jeremiah Hector, Mike Hoffman, Evan Van Oss, Bella Soprenant, Dan Glagowski, Tony Franco Sr., Josh Thielen, and Kirk Owen. Overall, first of all, an absolute steal on the trade for Ohio. They get Gavin Cano, right? They traded the fifth overall pick in order to acquire Gavin Cano. Who went fifth overall? Alex Hicks. Now, we can argue back and forth about ranking or whatever. But to me, I upgraded going from Alex Hicks to Gavin Cano. Gavin Cano right now, especially in the doubles front, even in the singles front, is performing as a top 10 player in the world. And so because of that, I absolutely love what they got there. Um, Their keepers are really is what is going to flex this team. I actually have a range on my grade. And the reason because I have no idea how Noah Almanza Uh, Trey Birchfield and Matt Abernathy are going to play this year, right? Those three keepers, not even who they traded, are single-handedly going to determine the success of this season coming in 2024. 
Uh, Fisher, Hamilton, and Gavin Cano obviously discussing if Almanza and Birchfield can have a bounce back year. This team is in an A type of range when it comes to grade because they can be that good. I didn't love the Ryan Tucker pick out of the gate. We're talking about someone that had to get in at the literally last possible conference qualifier. They didn't make it through standings, not through the regular qualifier, not through application, nothing. And then they get in on that last spot, and I'm going to take them with my first pick of the draft. That one worried me a little bit. Um, Jeremiah Hector was pretty solid. Loved how late they were able to get Bella Soprenin. I know there's a big question mark here, but this is the equivalent of that really high performer with the off-the-field issues, Not nothing character-related, just simply don't know what's going to happen with Bella um, if she's able, able even to play. The good news is they got her late enough that if she's not able to play, then she doesn't play. Um, and he didn't waste a, a second or first round pick. So overall, I'm giving the Ohio Aviators a B. If Almanza and Birchfield, though, they have the season that they need to have, and I think that they're trending towards, I think this team is all the way up to an A-. minus. Interesting. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, the only comment on the Ryan Tucker pick, if I'm looking at this correctly, they they did – they didn't get a first round pick. So they were deep, you know, they were uh, deep into the second round before they got their first pick yep. when they did pick up Ryan, but still in the field, they passed up on players like Crabtree, uh, Valdivia, uh, you know, maybe even an Ingleken or a, uh, uh, Jeremiah Hector who have experience in the league, uh, playing at that level. So, uh, I don't hate him too much for that, but I do see a couple players maybe that they could have went for instead. Um, I do like the natural partnerships of Almanza, Birchfield, obviously Hamilton, Cano. Uh, Getty is very versatile. He could play really any type of bag, any type of game. So I think he's kind of a, a wild card, if you want, to match up with any other player. So with those three teams, they're going to carry the muscle for that squad. Last one, Pennsylvania Ringers. All right, you're defending world champion Pennsylvania Ringers. Uh, they keep Devin Harbaugh, Justin Burton Jr., Matthew Creek Killer, Gage Landis, and Tubby Cobb. That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> then they, they go and they draft Matthew Troxel, Brady Foster, Tripp Baker, Brevin Valdivia, Elizabeth Tennyson, Hunter Yacklin, Shaquille Maxey, Adrian Johnson, Sean Farrell, Jason Frady, and Tiffany Fincham. I kind of already alluded to it. They had great keepers. And what's even scarier is if Jacob Foreman doesn't step away, they replace essentially um, Tubby Cobb. Well, no, actually, they would have replaced Trey Hunt because remember, mid-draft, they traded away Trey Hunt to get a pick. So they would have kept Jacob Foreman instead of a Trey Hunt or somebody else on this list, which would have been ridiculous. So I think arguably behind the Florida freeze, one of the best, if not the second best team that's coming back. Now, when I look at who they picked, I thought they got some good mid to late value. I think I really like Brady Foster. I'm high on him. Brevin Valdivia, kind of a couple rounds in. This is somebody that, yes, hasn't performed at the top 20 level in a couple years, but someone that any given day can be right up there. They got him pretty late. Shaquille or Tyrell Maxey. This is a guy that performed really, really well at the rookie showcase. And then in addition to that, followed up that performance playing alongside Curtis Haddix, they put, they went toe to toe in the best in the world. Okay. I really expected Maxi. I remember sitting behind the scenes while you guys were on air and they announced Maxi. And I went, he was still available. Yeah. I was very shocked. I think they got an absolute steal there. And I also think Sean Farrell, because of his very unorthodox throw, a lot of people don't take him seriously. 
This is a guy I've seen compete on the international level and consistently delivers at a high level. Um, and they got him with their third to last pick. I mean, I'm not saying this guy needs to be a second round pick, but again, we're talking about that late, late value. That could be the difference in some of the games that are won or lost. Overall, love the ringers. I give him a B plus. Anthony, quick thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's going to be one of the top teams. I think their top six can hang with any team. Uh, you mentioned how strong they are in the middle. I'd like to throw in Trip Baker as well. I think he's really going to outplay a lot of expectations this season. He's going to be strong for them in the middle, along with Valdivia. I think the difference between being running it back as a champ uh, and not is going to be the bottom. You need a guy like Adrian Johnson, who was the, you know, in the last three or four picks to really play above that. If Adrian Johnson could come out and outplay last season, you know, what do you get from uh, from Jason Frady and a Tiffany Fincham? If they can squeeze some important wins out for this team, they could be uh, the championship team for 2024. All right, it's time for buy or sell. The first one that uh, Trey kind of alluded to. Okay, now Ryan Trader is the king of the Midwest, which Trey is going to buy. Bye. What else? Anthony Anthony, and I kind of agreed with him, but he kept saying, I need to see more. I need to say more. I've seen enough. It's I mean, fine. Maybe I give away the crown at the end of the season again, but right now, King of the Midwest, Ryan Trader, I don't see anybody beating him anytime soon. Anthony? I can't do it yet. I can't do it yet. And there's, <laughs> there's, yes, I mentioned Alex Hicks last, last uh, episode, but we have this guy out there. I don't know if you guys know him or not, but his name is uh, Ryan Windsor. Is he in that same group? No, he's, he's he, not. Lakes. Okay. So he must be like right on the border then. He's Great Lakes. No, okay. you can't take Ryan Windsor. Yeah, you know what? You can have him. the Midwest. Take Ryan Windsor. No, no, no. Keep Ryan Windsor. I still, I still, I still take a trader. Okay. Yeah, if I don't have Ryan Windsor, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta buy. All right, I like it. <laughs> you gotta buy. All right, how about Fisher Hamilton uh, passes Ryan Windsor on the all-time ACL titles list this season? Fisher, Fisher Hamilton has eight. Ryan Windsor has ten. So is Fisher Hamilton gonna pass Ryan Windsor? Trey. Yeah, five. <laughs> and I'm, and I don't. I uh, Anthony may feel differently. Look, I like Ryan Windsor a lot too, but. I mean, is is Fisher Hamilton, who's gotten eight titles in like fifteen months, gonna get how many? How many is Windsor gonna win this year? Let's say he wins two. Would you, to me that would be a successful season for Ryan Windsor? Is Fisher Hamilton gonna get four? Yeah, I I, I would I would bet my house on that. I wouldn't do that, but I, you should. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm buying it, Anthony. Yeah, you got to buy it. I mean, right now they're out playing uh, doubles. So you got Windsor with a Creek Killer this year. They're going to be tough, but right now Hamilton Kano are out playing that. So you'd have to assume they're going to up that in in doubles. And then Hamilton's just killing it in singles right now. And Windsor is too. So even if you wash out singles, you got to look to mm -hmm. doubles and, and say Hamilton's going to get some ground there. Texas, Texas has the best pro lineup of any state. This Ooh. is a big debate amongst the cornhole people. This Ooh. is a huge debate. And no matter what we pick, people are going to get angry right here. Florida. I, I think I think <laughs> it goes down between Texas and Florida. Yes. Right? Yeah. If we're talking doubles, and I, I'll answer the question, Michelle, don't worry. If we're talking about mm -hmm. doubles, okay, you have Caleb Batts and Eddie Grindersleeve. Uh, half of Fisher Hamilton, Gavin Cano, which the other half goes to Florida. Goes to Florida, <laughs> and then half, and then it all of Justin Burton Jr. and Logan Chamberlain. That is disgusting, right? And then you can add in like AJ Sims, Braden Wilson, got to a number of others, right? 
Then on floor, like, so I think doubles, you have to go with Texas. In singles, I got Allen Rawls, Alex Rawls, Fisher Hamilton, uh, Chris Kingsbury, Cheyenne Bubenheim, uh, Kyle Malone. Like, on the single side, I feel like it's Florida. So it's like I keep going internally back and forth on this. Ultimately, I'm going to land on selling and say it's Florida by a, like a hair. <laughs> Anthony? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, for that same, for the same exact reasons you were saying, it's like, it's like this hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough though. It's tough, but I'm going to have to go with Florida as well. So selling. Landon Crabtree can make it on the rookie of the year ballot. <sighs> Yeah, uh, I purposely phrased this can just to make it really, really, uh, really, really <laughs> tight. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to well, say, let's talk it. about it. Um, yeah, who do we got? We got Jeremiah Ellis, Sammy Soto, Caden Allen. Uh, who Ryan else do you want to throw on there? Ryan Trader, thank you. <laughs> How many go on the ballot? Braden Wilson. Braden Wilson. Five go on the ballot. Five so go on like, the ballot. So, yeah, so it's like, do I take off? We got to be missing somebody, right? I mean, if take off Braden, I mean Austin Cameron, like is can Crabtree sneak what about, in? What about Logan um, Hall? And I mean, there's Logan just so Hall, many. The, yeah, there's gonna be somebody. It happens every year, right? You have your core. Like, there's no doubt to me, it's gonna be Caden Allen, Sammy Soto. Um, you know, Ryan at this Trader. point, Ryan Trader. Like, but there's always somebody that sneaks into the conversation that you say to yourself. I didn't see that coming. So could it be Crabtree? Yes. Will it be Crabtree? No, I don't think so. I'm going to, I'm going to sell it. He had a great run. It was a smaller open him and Justin Lang defended their home turf. I, I think he's going to be more like the seven to nine range as far as rookie rankings. If by the end of it, I'll, I'll sell it. Anthony. Yeah. I think those four are a lock. You got Soto Ellis, Caden Allen, Trader, those four are a lock. It's that fifth spot where there's going to be a dogfight. Uh, just to kind of go through some of them, you're going to have, let's not forget Colby Scherer out there, Austin Cameron, Logan Hall, Frank Verona, Brady Foster maybe, and then you throw Crabtree in there. So I think it's going to be a just battle of those of those guys to, to take that fifth spot. Uh, I'm going to sell. Okay. Last one. I'm permanently moving to Cabo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buy it. She's already got real estate. At least a vacation home. At least a permanent you know house here, Michelle. I wouldn't mind a vacation home as long as it came with like a pool person that would serve me food and drinks. All right. Is that just your only spot, Mish? Do you get out anywhere else? No, I just, I am. Okay. Just so there's different. There's different yeah. kinds of traveling people. Okay. I am not someone that cares about sightseeing. I just want to go on a vacation and sit by the pool and do absolutely nothing. And when I find the one that works, why would I go anywhere else? <laughs> then I'm just rolling dice. Who knows that the food's going to be good. Who knows she if it's going to be likes. a nice resort. Yeah. But you so need I'm your other. Okay. So you, you only like to vacation one way. Yeah. Okay. So you have no like desire to see anything, anything else. In the world, no, it's always like work. Like then, it's like not a vacation. It's like oh yeah, you so you got like... work travel, you got relaxing travel, but then <laughs> yeah. don't you have a third type? Don't you have a third type of like family travel? She's yeah. making it very clear Thing that adventure, adventure travel is not part of her. Not DNA. for me. Adventure travel. There you go. Yeah, don't care. 
don't care about adventures, not adventurous. Uh, so the way we do it is we adventure travel with your kids. Forget about it. No, it yeah, is a no. nightmare. So our travel with the kids is our relaxing travel. All inclusive. We don't have to think about it. We're sitting right here. Our We're adventure travel is just us. <laughs> Is just us. Yeah. Still parenting. Okay. <laughs> still parenting. Like I want no. When I say I want no work, I want no work. Uh, that means no parenting. All right. Hot <laughs> takes. <laughs> what do you got, Trey? Uh, hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. Um, I think Ryan Trader makes it to a singles final at a pro event this season. I think he's 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 got I think he's got some gaps in his game. We're gonna still see some up and downs, but I think when he's on that up, he's really, really tough to beat. I'm gonna take Trader yeah. in a final of one of the eight pro events. Wow. Okay. Oh, you mean like final as in on TV? Yes. Oh, okay. Got Let's it. Got go. it. All right. Anthony, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to pull something off the high school. We got that in the mix on the agenda today. That's going to be coming up at Myrtle Beach at our next one of our next big events. I'm going to say, and it's a hot take because uh, they're not pros. They're they're not well known. But I'm going to say Colorado. That will be a three-peat, bringing home some hardware from the national championship uh, by Colorado three years in a row. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I'm going to go with, I think, Trey, you may have done a Colby Shearer hot take in the past. I can't remember what it was. Did you say rookie of the year for that one? Yeah, maybe on the ballot, yeah. Do you remember? On the, okay, because I was going to say I think he's going on the ballot. But I can't remember if yours was that or equal or better. But I think Colby Shearer will be on the ballot. I think he's that he's good. Um, and that's that's some hard real estate to grab there. <laughs> so um, Colby's a great player. All right, that's all we got time for. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you all next time.